Welcome to the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. Today we have a great episode for you covering a multitude of topics, including Netflix special, The Quarterback, as well as are the running backs in the NFL being devalued and our opinions on the Jets being selected for the Hard Knocks team. That's all here next on the His and Hers podcast. All right, Paige, I, before we dive into what you've thought of quarterback so far and where we are at in it, I want to open up with something you brought up, the New York Jets being the Hard Knocks team. I saw something very interesting that they were, it was the latest that a team has ever been selected uh, to appear on the show. Not that that's like super important, but I do think it's funny how much teams push back on being on it. And in that same vein, I saw a tweet where, there has been 18 years of the show being done and there's 32 teams in the NFL, or maybe it was something, maybe it was like 20 years of being done and only like 18 teams have done it. There's been like the Cowboys who have done it twice and a few others that have appeared multiple times, like the Los Angeles Rams most recently as well. I think the Cowboys may have done it two or three times, obviously being America's team. So it's funny I think the NFL and NFL franchises and coaches more than any other sport are so inclusive. They don't want things in their world and bothering them, even though it's been well-documented by almost every player that's been on hard knocks saying how low key and how you don't even notice the cameras because they do such a good job of blending in. But the jets are the choice after much litigation and what are your thoughts? Are you excited to watch it? Obviously, the Aaron Rodgers edition, plus all the other add-ons that they've added to this team and the incredible defense with a bunch of young stars. What is going to be your takeaway? The first episode is only really like two weeks away uh, from coming out. No, it's crazy. Um, I'm just pumped for Sauce Gardner. I want to see, I want to, I just think he's going to have some like good little outtakes and stuff like that that I think will be funny. It's funny because I feel like I read an article that was like, uh, Aaron Rodgers, basically when they asked him about it, he says that hard knocks basically shoved it down their throats and that no one at the jets organization wanted it to happen. And I'm like, Aaron Rodgers always says crap like that, but that dude loves the spotlight. He loves that. Everyone's talking about him. He oh, yeah. loves that he's on hard knocks this season that they're like making this whole like redemption story for him and the jets. And so it's just kind of like funny to me whenever he pushes back on stuff and I'm like, don't just stop. Don't act like you don't love it. It is. He is a very unique individual to put it in a mild way. What I do find hilarious about it is that this is the second time the jets have appeared on hard knocks. The first time was after the year they made it to the AFC championship game. And it was in Rex Ryan's second year or third year, depending on whatever that was. And they made the AFC championship game uh, in that year. So maybe this is going to be a repeat. And for all those hard knocks historians, that is probably top five, top three in hard knocks history. That Rex Ryan year was hilarious. It was really funny. He's really good on camera and on TV, which is obviously why he's done pretty well uh, post-career coaching career on like ESPN and stuff. But Paige, I want to read off, you know, and this will dive into more as we get closer to football season. But since we're on the topics of the Jets and obviously being the New York media and everything that's expected of them, 
They're in a very tough division with the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and even, and I mean the New England Patriots now are kind of an afterthought, which is just absolutely wild to think about. But they're still going to be you know a 500 team at worst. So I'm going to read you the first six games, which I think are just an absolute gauntlet, and I want you to tell me what you think their record's going to be. So they start at home Sunday night football against the Buffalo Bills. They then travel to uh, Dallas and play the Cowboys uh, in Dallas. They then play. Are they playing the Cowboys in Dallas? Yeah. Surprise. Uh, And that's like a late afternoon game. So, you know, that semi prime time, probably America's game of the week. They then are at home against the Patriots uh, at home Sunday night against the Chiefs. Then they have to go all the way to mile high and play in a late afternoon game. Again, that semi prime time against the Broncos and then at home against Jalen hurts and the Eagles in that semi prime time game. So the only game that they play at the normal time slot is against bill Belichick and the new England Patriots. Everything else is prime time or prime time adjacent. What do you think that record's going to be after those six games? Yeah, that's a rough start to the season. I would not be surprised if we saw them at two and four. Wow. I mean, I understand. But I also wouldn't, I also wouldn't be surprised if I saw them at four and two in that scenario. Like, it's just like the Jets are a team right now that it's like they could either have like a really slow start or they could be that team that has a really fast start, is able to get some wins, big wins early in the season. Like, I don't know. I'm just so intrigued by this team. I am too. And it, and it softens up. As the as the season goes on, sort of. I mean, their division, like I just mentioned, is tough. But New York, I don't think they'd be able to handle themselves if they started two and four. That media, it would be you would see nothing but like, oh, this is like Russell Wilson just last year. The wheels are coming off, the train's on fire. Even if they can scratch and claw. I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers last year when it looked like the Packers were completely dead and dead again and dead again all were one game away against lines at home from going to the playoffs after how bad that season looked and how bad that season actually was for him it was a pretty good season by you know some of the nfl team standards so i think the jets will be competitive and be going down the stretch but how crazy would this be coming off hard knocks all the hype all the buildup and they're two and four you know, that would be October 16th. They're, they go into their bye week at two and four. N- not that they couldn't turn it around, but man, that would be kind of a tumultuous start for what should be or what has been built up to be a really exciting season. Yeah. As it was said in uh, the quarterback episode, episode two, it was like, no one wants to go into a season 0 and 3. You just, the, you cannot have a losing record the first six games and have a good chance of redeeming yourself from that. Yeah. Unless you're the Detroit Lions in the 2022 season, because they did just that. They did just that. All that love to not make the playoffs. I just want that. I want that to be put out there. All that love to not. But but they kept the Packers out. And that's what I care about. Oh, I was a big Lions (laughs) fan. But I I always just always have got to let people know. Yeah, like they finished the year strong out of the playoffs. So, yeah, let's. I mean, it's easier. It's easier to play. It's okay. We. It, sorry, go. I was just going to say, it's easier to play football. It's easier to play sports when you have no weight or no expectation. And so when they were one and six or whatever they were, and Dan Campbell was able to get freaky and know that, hey, it doesn't really matter. 
you know, they're able to kind of have some success, but when they start two and zero, or, you know, or it's late in the season and it's a swing game to take the lead, in the NFC or, you know, into that wild card spot, we'll see how they play. We'll see how Jared Goff plays. We'll see how it can all come together for the lions because history yeah. says it's not going to, that's come my thing well. is I'm like, Exactly. Is everyone talk, like everyone talks about how great Jared Goff was at the end of the season? I'm like, right. But did you see how he was at the beginning of the season? And also there's the reason the Rams traded him. Like, listen, and the Rams didn't trade him. The Rams didn't trade him for some young spry quarterback. They traded no. him for Matthew Stafford. And immediately who, won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, it's just so funny to me. And so it's just funny to me, too, because it's like this is a whole tangent that we could go off on at any time. But it's like everyone I'm listening to right now, it's like, oh, yeah, the Lions are the talk of the NFC North. And it's like, OK, yeah, let's just pretend that the Vikings didn't have an incredible season last year, have a lot of the same team, just brought in a new defensive coordinator, which is where our issues were. And it's, so it's just so funny to me that I'm like, what's this story about the Lions that people just love? And what is it about the Vikings people always want to dismiss? No, there's one thing if you rank, uh, obviously, Jalen Hurts above Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott above Kirk Cousins, and a couple other names. Yeah. Like, I, you know, even if you put, shoot, like, I guess like Geno Smith, I would strongly disagree with you because one year versus the seven that Kirk's played. But when you start throwing Jared Goff in front of Kirk, the, like I, I saw a list the other day they did on ESPN where it was, uh, the NFC North stop quarterbacks and Jared Goff was number one. Kirk was number two. You just, you, you're just not watching the game. It, it, you look at what the Lions do and a lot of what they were able to do last year that was schemed by Ben Johnson, their offense coordinator so beautifully that, and it's the same as like what Sean McVay was able to do with him early on in the Rams career. We'll see what happens now that the defenses like Brian Flores has all of last year to see what Ben Johnson and Jared Goff, what they did to expose some of the Vikings things in those games. And we'll just see, we see a lot of quarterbacks have success in a year. And then all of a sudden all these defensive coaches has all this time to get tape and to build schemes and things don't go as well. So the, the, the lions hype is fine. The Jared Goff hype is driving me crazy. We've yeah, seen this. I don't know. I don't understand. I'm like, stop. What is it about Jared Goff that makes people want to get on board with him? And what is it about Kirk Cousins that everyone just wants to hate? It doesn't make any sense. He's a good dude. So that's a perfect segue. The quarterback series, first two episodes. What have been your takeaways, favorite moments? What have you thought? I've literally just sat there with a smile on my face the entire episode because it's just like, this is the perfect thing to come out in July. And Netflix is just full of geniuses. They've messed up on a lot of series, but this one, I think they've knocked out of the park simply because of the timing. And it is like, it's like replaying the 2022 season and getting this like whole refresher on like, oh, like, yes, I remember watching that game and just like all this fun stuff to kind of piece it together in advance of like hard knocks and training camp and preseason. And so um, I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I know there's a lot of critics. I've heard a lot of people saying that they're not loving this, like they don't like it, but I am loving it. I love getting the look into like the behind the scenes, kind of seeing like, um, the day-to-day of these quarterbacks and kind of like what they're working on outside of the football games. Um, I could do a, with a lot less Brittany, but that's just cause I don't really like Patrick Mahomes wife, but everything else just fun. I will say that the thing about that whole, you know, relationship and, and like what they've shown about Patrick is 
how long they've actually known each other. You know, I, I didn't know. I'm not one of those people that cares about the, the wives of the NFL, you know, stars. So I haven't never really paid attention to any of that. So it was kind of my first glimpse into, I guess, her and their life. I mean, they knew each other all the way back. I think they said seventh grade. Yeah. And, you know, when he first had a crush on her and then they ended up dating all of high school into college all the way through the NFL. So whatever, you know, a personality is whatever you can say about it. It is really cool to see like a grounded, you know, guy and, and woman and in a relationship. And, and now they have they have two kids and, a, you know, it's just you don't see that very often with a lot of these uh, people who get really rich and famous and uber uber uh wealthy and and all that stuff but they seem like just down-to-earth people as annoying as you know her antics i guess have been like a couple years ago when she was spraying champagne on a bunch of kansas city chiefs fans after they you know won i think when they beat the bills in that overtime game uh i just think that they they seem very attached and it's kind of wholesome to see in today's i guess celebrity environment well yeah that's actually really cool about all three quarterback yeah, Kirk Cousins selected. and his wife too. I mean, Julie is. I mean, they're down to earth people. That scene where they were talking when the, everyone was clowning his Week One outfit, and she was just like, "I, I don't know. I just thought it was, you know, fall. It was the plaid. fall yeah. yeah, we shop at Target, Sam's Club. Like, you know, that's my thing. Is like looking into the glimpse of Kirk Cousins' house and his closet. I was like, this dude has so much money, and you would not be able to know it by what is his how how his house is decorated or what is in his closet yeah if you saw his house you'd be like oh that guy's probably like you know some engineer or something like good money but not like a multi multi hundred million yeah but yeah it's so funny to see the difference in that because even like seeing patrick mahomes like the birthday party and it's like just insane over the top feels like the kardashians were involved and then it's like Kirk Cousins, it cuts to them and it's like, oh, it's just him and his family at a campfire in the backyard. (laughs) But even with the same thing with Marcus Mariota, right? Like he met his uh, wife in college, like their freshman year. He had a crush on her center note. They started like talking and then, yeah, same thing with him where it's like now he's got a kid with her. And like, so it's just kind of cool to see these like wholesome little relationships represented. Yeah. And I think what it shows more and obviously, like you said, there's been reaction and i said this before i think i said it in last week's uh podcast about my hot take from is that people would walk away think you know that kirk cousins would walk away as like the biggest winner of this show and i think i think it did just that i think it showed you know it shows especially in those first two episodes patrick holmes is just he's just like a different guy in terms of he can just step on a football field and outsmart out like play just because of his reactionary skills and because of how how well he understands Andy Reid's system, and he's just a natural thrower of the football, so he can do things that almost no one has ever been able to do before. Maybe like Aaron Rodgers and a couple other guys, but a guy and even like, then, like Patrick Mahomes is just a step above everyone in just his like fertility. It was so I think that was so cool listening to his personal trainer talk about how like he's never seen like the mobility in a spine that he's seen in Patrick Mahomes. And so to kind of look from the trainer's perspective of like how they train him and how they really capitalize on that, because he's just so much more mobile than any other quarterbacks. Yeah. And in a different way, but then you see, you know, where he has that, that ability and Kirk um, even less than Marcus Mariota is just has to approach the game in such a different way. He has to approach it through, the mental side of things. And what I thought was really interesting in that first 
um, in that first episode when they showed the demolishing of Green Bay in week one, he said, you know, it was just crazy. Nothing went wrong in that game. Everything was fluid. Everything went really nice. And when they go into the Eagles game, obviously we knew what happened in that game, but I totally forgot the first play of the game. He was talking about how he got under center. He should have checked out of a run play into a pass concept on the right, stuck with the run and ended up being a loss of two yards. And he said, like, not that that messed up his entire game, but like that was the first moment it kind of threw him off. And it kind of showed a glimpse into like sometimes us as Vikings fan and probably old Redskins fans can attest that sometimes with Kirk, you, you know, when he's off, like pretty quickly, you can tell when he, when he feels comfortable, when he's able to pinpoint where everyone's at and he can rip it. And in that whole Eagles game, it was just interesting. Not that I remember that play exactly, but it was kind of interesting. That very first play he messed up and it never felt like he got out of, like got in rhythm from that point on. So he's a very rhythmic, very process oriented quarterback where an uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes and a Marcus, even Marcus Mariota can step on the field and and react in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Well, it was even like uh, in the episode two, when they're talking through the commanders game and how he got that late hit after he'd thrown that pass to Justin Jefferson. And he was just laying there because he got the wind knocked out of him. And he's like, did he score? He's like, I'm fine. I just got the wind knocked out of me, but he thought Justin Jefferson had scored. Yeah. And so he's just laying on the ground. And then it was so cute. I'm, I think my favorite thing is I'm like, Kirk Cousins mic'd up is like the most wholesome thing. And it just makes me laugh. It's like, shoot guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Oh, darn it. That stinks. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, Oh, I didn't know. I thought he stored. I would have got up. Okay. And he's like <laughs> rushing. And then he throws that amazing pass and Dalvin cook catches it one handed to seal the win. But it's just kind of stuff like that, where it's just like so fun to see see the behind the scenes and hear more. Cause like Patrick Mahomes, when he is like losing his mind, Oh, who are they playing? Uh, the Raiders, the Raiders. And yep. he was like, I'm like, Patrick Mahomes is that player that literally repeats. He comes up with a sentence that he likes and then he repeats it 30 yeah. times. Like yep. I am that guy. I am that guy. I like just repeats it and repeats it, and repeats it. So it's so funny. To <laughs> Selective hear editing on your part, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just you, go, so funny. you look up the wrong mother effort. <laughs> well, it's just so funny how many times you hear Andy Reid having to be like, okay, Patrick, chill, or like stop, or calm down, or take a minute. And so it's just so funny, like the relationship that him and Andy Reid have. And I think that that's kind of the coolest thing to see for me is Patrick Holmes development is like, if you put him in another system with another coach, does he become Patrick Mahomes? Like it's just something with him and Andy Reed, Andy Reed was the perfect coach for the perfect quarterback. And it's just so cool to see. I love getting glimpses into that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think the more behind the scenes and I, and I think it probably shows it deeper as it goes, but the amount of, work it takes one to be healthy through football and through the NFL in particular when you're talking about and that's what we you know we don't fully comprehend obviously we're itching for football season but these guys you know some of them in like four days some of them in in 10 days or so enter into training camp and that's their life until January like we we can't wait till September uh, 11th but man, you know, these guys, they're, they're about to be putting their bodies through incredible amount of stress and incredible amount of pain uh, for the next, you know, five, six months. And it's a grind. Um, and so to kind of see that behind the scenes where, yeah, we, we lay some up, we can't wait for Sundays, but for a lot of these guys to get to Sundays, to get to Thursdays, to get to Mondays, 
it is a nonstop around the clock. And that's what I found interesting about Kirk is um, I'm not sure if I've seen this episode yet, but I saw an article where he takes an entire Tuesday. He doesn't do anything football related. He takes the time to be, it's usually always the scheduled off day, but a lot of people will go into the facility for recovery, but he's built in a lot of things around his house. So he can do that at home, but he just wants to be home, be with his family um, and take that time to kind of take a mental break from the game, which I just, I find incredibly interesting. Yeah, I think too. I think that's also why I love you. You kind of touched on this last week about like the Marcus Mariota being involved in this because you have the kind of like the three styles of quarterback of like the definite starter and Patrick Mahomes, the star of the league, the one that anybody like a household name. Then you have a Kirk Cousins who is the less of a household name, but like football people know him. Then you have Marcus Mariota who it's like he doesn't even finish the season as a starter. And so it's just so cool, I think, to see a glimpse into all of that because it's like, for Marcus Mariota, like every single game, every single effort he puts forward is determining the next five years of his career. And so I think that as a fan, it's so easy to like be pointing at these things, but it's, it's like incredible the turnover that happens in the NFL and how short-lived a lot of these guys' career are there. And it's like, they work their whole lives to get there. And then when it ends or when it doesn't shake out or like, they just don't have the career that they were hoping for, it's like a tragic love story. And so it's just so cool to kind of like get a glimpse into to like how they deal with that, what the transitions look like, and then what kind of builds up to the coaches and teams and organizations making decisions to move on from certain people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so pumped for the next few episodes. I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening who've already plowed through all eight, but we're trying to really appreciate and relax through this so that we don't get through it too fast. Yeah. That, that's exactly how I would describe it. I'm analyzing every second, not that uh, I have to watch Finding Nemo with my daughters on a Sunday night instead of binge watching quarterback. So, yep, that's exactly. I'm just so, appreciating every. And more uh, kind of football heavy this week, but a lot of news coming around. I'll just be honest NFL with you. Give me football deadline. heavy for the next six months. That just yeah, is what it is. Can't lie to you. That's where we're at. Uh, but NFL trade deadline, obviously, I mean, NFL deal headline closes and we've got quite the running back controversy going on across the league. Some huge names, not getting uh, deals made by the end of that deadline. I mean, Saquon Barkley being up there, uh, Josh Jacobs. So what are your initial thoughts? What are you thinking about this? Obviously there's been a lot of backlash around the league overall. Um, But before we dive into all the tweets coming in initial thought from you. I'm going to read a few tweets off of uh, me. So Matt Miller, he's a ESPN analyst analysis because it's been started to become a, a common theme around the NFL. Been saying it for years. One draft running back two play the running back. If he's good franchise tag, the running back one time and then draft a running back. And so that sparked, he tweeted that 10 hours ago. And that sparked a reaction from running backs across the league. Uh, Chris McCaffrey, this is criminal. Three of the best players in the entire league, regardless of position. Talk about Saquon. Austin Eckler, this is kind of trash as artificially devalued one of the most important positions in the game. Everyone knows it's tough to win without a top running back, and yet they act like we're discardable widgets. He is also in a contract dispute with the Chargers. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, one, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Two, if you work hard enough, you'll succeed. If you succeed, three, you boost the organization. And then... Doesn't matter. You're running back. They'll find your replacement. And then I saw 
that even Derrick Henry um, ended up tweeting about it too. So like you said, there's been quite the Twitter storm going on about this reaction. I'll read his and then I'll just give my opinion on it. Derrick Henry said, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game then. The ones that want to be great can work as hard as they can to give all their organization. Just seems like it don't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fine to get what they deserve. I do find it really interesting how much the NFL has shifted on this because not, you know, growing up, all, all I heard about were running backs, were the great ones, Barry Sanders, you know, Gail Sayers, um, you know, Emmett Smith, and then, you know, on into the 2000s with the late Danny and Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson, like they were the, the bell cows, bell cows. They were the ones making the money, making the headlines. They're the ones they were building your offense completely around. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we pay, we're, we're paying, I, I think I saw a tweet that Adrian Peterson is the only running back to ever make over a hundred million dollars. Like he was the Minnesota Vikings for 10 years. And now I, I don't even, the last big contract was Christian McCaffrey, but he's not even a true running back. Really. He's a slot receiver. So I don't know how the running backs will recoup. I think they have to be more hybrid like uh, Christian McCaffrey and not yeah, so like one dimensional. Yeah. Like you have to become kind of a dual threat on the field and be able to pe- not only run strong, but also like get into the slot and catch balls and make yourself a weapon that way. But I also just think it's such a disservice. And I understand, like, I understand for some points of like why they do this, because, but it's also just like, it opens up this whole discussion around like, they're giving these quarterbacks, these insane deal sizes. Like, I mean, more money than any quarterback 20 years ago could have fathomed making in the NFL. It's like now that's become the standard with the Patrick Mahomes and the Joe Burrows and like all of these. And it's like, it feels like every team is chasing to have that same level of quarterback to pay that quarterback, that same amount. So it just makes cap space so difficult. It just eats it all up and then makes it so that like these running backs who won in a way, I think like, it's difficult because quarterbacks put their, like, they're obviously always a hitman on a team, but it's like, there are more rules in place to protect a quarterback than anything else. Running backs don't have that same luxury. And yet they're putting their, like, I think the running back is the hardest position on the football field. You're putting your body through the most. And yet we can't even compensate them or like, let them know that they're like, that they're worth it for these teams. Saquon Barkley. I mean, the giants don't do anything last season without Saquon. They can, they, they close a deal with Daniel Jones, but it's like Saquon Barkley is the only reason that you guys even made it to the playoffs, let alone to a second playoff game. And you don't even have the decency to get a deal done. It's it's absurd. You have Saquon, you have Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler, three running backs who are elite, really good. And none, they, none of them got new contracts. And I think if you look at the last batch of running backs who got paid, I think that kind of shows you how it's fallen off so quickly. Um, You have Dalvin cook, Ezekiel Elliott, and most famously Le'Veon Bell, you know, all got paid. And while probably the best of them was Dalvin Cook, probably for value for his contract, he still wasn't worth the amount of money that he was going to be taking up or else the Vikings wouldn't have cut him. And yeah. so I think that while the value stinks that it's been cut so low, they just view it as okay. If you're not willing to, you know, play for six million, you want twelve million, 
there's a couple guys that are on the practice squad who we think are maybe not a hundred percent you, but are 80% you when they cost $6 million less, which allow us to go get another receiver when we're passing 80% of the time. Anyway, we're not 80, but you yeah. know what I mean? So I think it's just as much as I think it's easier to, I think it's easier than ever to fill a running back position because if you're an athlete and can run in space, not that you'll be one of the best running backs, but, but you can, you'll be good. Done. You yeah. can get two, three, four yards when it's necessary. Yes. I mean, because no running back anymore, minus maybe one or two guys, is going to touch the ball 20 times a game. No one is running the ball straight ahead 20 times a game. You're not doing ISOs. You're not doing powers. You're not doing that 25 times a game like they used to. And so you don't need to be durable. You don't need to have breakaway speed in terms of, you know, in the fourth quarter. You just got to be dynamic enough that if you get the ball a couple times a game, you can get out in the open and run. Yeah. It's just a bummer when it's like, there's just, it's just it, like, it's, it's kind of a transition that we all have to make in our minds, right. Of like these incredible players. And it's just like, what does the running back position look like moving forward? And I think to your point, we're going to see a lot of change in like the guys who are coming into the league. Like you're not going to have these running backs coming out of college that are like, yeah, I want to be the next Saquon Barkley. I want to be the next Dalvin cook, where it's like, I have a good solid six years in the league. And then it's like, I'm questionable and I'm making the bare minimum on my contract. And so I think you're going to see a lot of exploration from these younger guys of like, how can I make myself like an asset, not just from the running side, but also like on the offense holistically. And like, can I become a great pass rusher? And I think that's one area like Ezekiel Elliott set himself apart that way. Right. Like he's an incredible pass rusher along with being a good you mean like, pass blocker, you know, pass blocker. <laughs> as, yeah. the pass. That'd be dynamic. I would <laughs> say. Would, yeah. I mean, you'd make, make some yourself money. a triple threat. Yeah. Pass rusher. <laughs> he's doing everything on the field shoot zeke on the edge of micah parsons that might be the secret he played one game he played one play at center last year so maybe he is dynamic enough to move he's around just just plug him in anywhere on the field and see shoot. what happens dang no but it's like if you can if you can just kind of like develop yourself into multiple roles so that your role can become more like dynamic then that's the way i think that you'll only be able to get some like solid contracts for these running backs yeah, absolutely. Putting your hands in more pots allows you to, to build longevity. Um, but it's, it, it, you know, to kind of put a cap on it, it was, I just saw uh, when I was reading Phil Lindsay uh, for the Broncos had a couple was undrafted, you know, played four years at Colorado, obviously for free played was undrafted. Wasn't making a ton of money at, you know, comparatively to what NFL running backs, NFL players make. Uh, had 2000 yard rushing seasons kind of tailed off, signed a smaller contract with the Texans and then bounced around playing for uh, almost nothing. He's 28 or 29 and made $5 million in his seven years in the NFL, which no one's going to feel bad for you for making that much, but you start taking away taxes and all the different stuff. He's still got 50 years of life to figure out what he's going to do. His body's in incredibly, you know, incredibly banged up and has been battered and bruised. So there's probably going to be quality of life stuff and maybe surgeries down the road. You know, you, you never know with that stuff. But I just think it's interesting because, yeah, like he made a lot of money. But he's still got a long time and a long life to figure out when he was really productive, really good. And he was never able to capitalize on his moment to cash in for longevity. So. 
I don't know what the answer is. I think, like you said, they just got to get better at a lot of different things and make themselves versatile enough that they can't get rid of them, I guess would be the answer. Yeah, like the game the game changes and you have to change with it. Absolutely. Uh, well, perfect. I, you know, we dive, we dove into a few different topics that I, you know, the, I still love that the lines bashing that we just did a few minutes ago. Uh, that was good. That was impromptu <laughs> too. Uh, are there any last thoughts you'd like to leave us with? We've just got our final segment, his and hers. Zach and I are going to tell you our favorite news stories from the week um, that are slightly related to football. Um, Zach, you want me to go first? Yes, please. Okay, first story that I just love is all these rumors going around since the 4th of July party that Tom Brady is dating Kim Kardashian. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately for any major fans out there, it looks like those have been put to rest as of today and that that is no longer a source of truth. According to Michael Rubin, who's the CEO of Fanatics, he came out and said he was the one who hosted the party and he came out and said the two were just friends. Kim doesn't normally drink. She had drink in like 12 shots that night. And so doesn't drink and throw down 12. huh? Yeah. Well, she, she really doesn't drink that often. I've been watching the Kardashians a lot lately, so I know things, but uh, yeah, so that was a fun little rumor floating around, but I think the true winner of this week is Philip Rivers. Um, back in the news good old philip rivers they're expecting their 10th child and i just cannot wrap my brain around that (laughs) he's got a full offense he's got him a quarterback and he's got his 10 starting uh, offensive (laughs) personnel he's dynamic with his his wife swapping in and out he's got he's got quite the uh quite the collection there he's Um, building out a full squad yeah um yeah, he's uh, his fish swim, I think would be the term him. <laughs> and uh, who's that guy? Nick, uh, Nick Cannon. Yes. His, his fishes, also. they swim. They swim well. Yeah. He can literally impregnate anyone. Oh, and one of my favorite, Antonio Cromartie, uh, old defensive back. I want to look up because I think his stats are crazy. Uh, let me look these up. Sorry. I should have had this pulled up already, but you threw the uh, kid thing at me. So I didn't know. You weren't thinking about Philip Rivers. Before okay. This. All right. So Antonio Cromartie makes uh, Philip Rivers look uh, like a virgin. Uh, he has 14 kids with eight different women. Man, the amount of child support that guy has to pay. A legend in the game. That is crazy. Eight different women. Wow. I wonder if he like meant to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Was that intentional or an accident? Cause if that's an accident, you're just stupid. He had, uh, he had a TV series from 2017 to 2018 called the Cromarties. That's a real thing. Should we? Oh, well, okay. Next episode, Zach and I are going to watch all the season of Cromarties. No, no, we won't watch this. Well, maybe you will. (laughs) My story, uh, is, we can thankfully rest easy at night knowing LeBron James is not retiring. I know, I know we all were worried. We all thought that ever since he got swept and changed the subject from being swept to his retirement, that we were waiting on pins and needles and he announced it in probably the most humble way possible, uh, calling it our pleasure or was it our honor to watch him in the year 21. It was one of those phrases. I got to say, 
very, very humble of him. Uh, and the most I, humble guy we know. Yeah. Humble King is what I would call him. But yeah, if you were sitting there wondering, wonder no more, he is coming back for year 21. Even though for many years he said he wasn't going to retire till yeah. he played in the NBA with his son. Don't, don't mind that. He teased us. He teased us. He dropped a few little hints like every great player does about maybe I'm going to retire. Yeah. So, not every great but, player. Okay. Tim Duncan just walked off. No one even knew that he was done. I mean, I love Kobe. Love Kobe. He was like, bye. Yeah, I think he put something in the newspaper and no one saw him. He just didn't show up to a game one day. I mean, because I love Kobe, but he definitely loved that tour that he got in 2016. Which, hey, if you can... I've been saying this for the past five years. Like you're going to know when it's LeBron's last season, there's going to be a full, there's going to be a whole, it's going to be quarterback on steroids. It's going to be oh. LeBron and he's going to oh. be broadcasting on every single streaming platform is going to have a different version of it. They're all going to be involved. Yeah. They're all going to be paying him. It's going to be behind the scenes, every single thing. It's going to be LeBron. So- LeBron isn't a Tim Duncan. That's just going to put that out there. Thanks for, you know, 21 years of basketball. Like you said, it's yeah. going to be, He'll go into the training camp. If it's not already announced, he'll do some like the shop special where, where he's sitting there and with his family saying like, wow, I get to play this year with Bronny. And it's been just an incredible journey to be the greatest to ever do it. I'm, I'm going to finish it this year, move on to different stuff. And yeah, like you but said, also, this is my take is I just feel like, uh, he, him, he, he's always had this like friendly back and forth thing with Tom Brady, but I feel like LeBron will not retire until he's older than Tom Brady because he wants to like, just do anything he can to like be the talk of the town. So like, I, he's gonna, that's he's a gonna long outlast, time. He's going to outlast Tom Brady. That's there's, my call. There's no way. No there's way. A way. It's LeBron. No. Okay. Paige, you gotta understand though. Tom Brady's f- played until he's 45. Okay. I know. I tell you, he's going to play till he's 45 in a day. You're talking about seven more years. Okay. Please. 27 years in the league. And I was very happy LeBron played this year and he, you know, for year 2020 played really, really well, but he was unprecedented in what he was able to do this year. You're not getting seven more years. Medical miracles are just happening more and more every day. We're more and more in the future. He's going to come by a bionic man. Like HGH and human, you know, performing enhancing drugs. No, what's going to happen is at the end of the season, he's just going to play less and less games. And then when he gets to year, when he gets to year 27 and he's about to turn 45, that's when all the cameras come out. He's going to have the same games. No, he's got like two. I mean, two more, two, three, three years. I mean, him being 24th year in the league and 41 would be insane. I just can't. Also, in case anyone was wondering, he's changing his number back to 23. So in honor of Bill Russell, he wanted to wear it one more year. So he just had a couple things in the arsenal to kind of let everyone stop talking about the fact he got swept. You got to be ready. That's all good PR people do. That's right. Alrighty, well, that has been this episode of His and Hers Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great week. And remember that if you had a bad day, just know that's one day closer to football being back. Love y'all.